All right, welcome to Not Braden Storms with Braden Storms. I'm here with Henry Beck. Henry, do you want to say hello? Hello again. <laughs> <laughs> so Henry's back. Um, if you haven't listened to previous episodes, Henry is a CMA major uh, from Minnesota. Uh, all around, just great guy. Uh, if you want to learn about his life, go and listen to the first one. I'm not going to give any more, uh, go into any more detail than that. <laughs> um, but my question for you, Henry, today mm-hmm. is, um, what made you, uh, recently kind of switch to attending an Anglican church? Um, mm-hmm. and what have you enjoyed about it? Okay. Great. Great opening question. As they say. <laughs> um, first I want to say thank you, Brayden, for having me back for of the course. trilogy. Uh, it's been very fun so far, and I'm happy to be back again. Uh-huh. Um, so that's great. Yeah. Um, so obviously, the first time we spoke, I told you more of my life story with church and yep. whatnot. But uh, I can focus in on on recently. So okay. um, I was raised obviously non-denominational, right? And then you know, I just was left home in 2019 to go to Bible school in England. And they assigned us all, well, they didn't assign us, but they gave us, there was like 12 churches in the area, and we could sign up for a church that we were like interested in. Mm-hmm. And so leaving the non-denominational like experience, I was like, okay, I'm in another country, I want to try something just random and new. Yeah. What is the exact opposite of a John Piper adjacent non-denominational <laughs> church? Right. Pentecostalism. Okay, great. So I tried to sign up for this Pentecostal church, but... I was lazy and like went to the sign up time like toward the end. So all of the slots were filled at that church. So mm-hmm. I was like, okay, I don't really know. That was the only one I like knew about yeah. and was interested in going to. So I just looked at some other ones and I was like, okay, they all feel more like evangelical, non-denominational. I don't really know. Like I can go to that, but don't really want to do that. Well, there was two slots left for a church called St. Cuthbert's. Okay. <laughs> and I was like, what the hell is a Cuthbert? Right. You know, that feels like a fake word. Yeah. Uh, and I was like kind of looking at it. I was talking to the sweet old lady who was mm-hmm. at the booth. I don't even remember her name. I do remember she had a mustache. So I was like, okay, that's different. Um, I was like, what is what is going on here? And then the, the dean of students at the school came up and was talking to the woman. And then as I'm hearing him talk, I realized that he like goes to that church so Mm -hmm. I was like okay so the dean of students like the big boss attends this church why not just like tag along he can give me a ride it'll be like easy so like why the heck not so then I um, just signed up randomly like guys I'm going to St. Cuthbert's and (laughs) it is this gorgeous uh, ancient Saxon chapel Mm -hmm. that used to be Catholic and then when Thomas Cranmer obviously founded the Church of England it just made the switch to being gotcha. English, um, or Anglican, I should say. <laughs> but it was really just a beautiful experience. The uh-huh. the uh, infant baptismal was from 900 AD, and wow. I'm like a big history nerd, so mm-hmm. like looking at something that old, that old is like yeah. so cool. Uh, during Easter tide, they which I had missed right before I got to school, but they process down the street to um, this Roman column. That was literally built by the Romans when they were like fighting off the Britons. Crazy. So I was like, what the heck? Like, there's so much history here. Yeah. They incorporate like the history of the land and the area into their services. So I was like, okay, this there's something to this. Like, this is really interesting. And it's reverent. And mm-hmm. one thing that I always 
struggled with in church was being reverent. My, my mm-hmm. mind would just wander a lot. You know, like you did, we did the classic three, four songs, 40-minute yeah. sermon, one or two songs, totally. done, right? Which is not a bad way to do church in any... Like, that's totally fine. It was just 20 minutes into a sermon, I'd be kind of like, all right, I'm kind of... My mind would wandering. I'd have to come back. I was bad at taking notes because I, like... I'd be trying to listen and then I'd forget to take notes and then I'd be focused on taking my notes and I'd zone out and I'd mm-hmm. be like, what is going on? But it was beautiful because when I read the liturgy, I was focused because I had something to do mm-hmm. and like I don't have ADD or anything. It was just like, I was just like, this is keeping me engaged right. and we're like chanting the Psalms and yeah. we're kneeling to pray. I was like, that's really weird that we're doing that hmm. because you know, normally you just sit in your seat or right. you probably would stand would yeah. be a more of a non-denom vibe. Um, so I just was very drawn into the history of the liturgy, mm-hmm. the kind of like the existence of the church. Mm-hmm. I went over to the the priest's house a few times. He was a younger guy. His name was John. He was really, really nice. Um, he had a couple, a couple kids. But he was just like, yeah, you know, I grew up in like a totally non-Christian household. Like, a lot of people in the UK, he was like, we call ourselves Anglican, but, like, you know, no one actually attends church, really, except for, like, holidays. But he just became very, like, swept up in the beauty of liturgy at first, and then that's how he got saved. Uh-huh. So it was, like, knowing that the liturgy, like, I mean, the liturgy's based on the Bible, so yeah. it's really like reading the Bible. But it's just, like, the fact that I went to, oh. it was just, it was more like a fire and brimstone, like, repent Classic. or die type vibe. Good, good. Yeah. Yes, yeah. very good. Very good. I mean, it's, it, it is an effective way to at least get people to follow the rules. Um, and so for the first time in my life, I started to actually see like Christ's work on the cross and his suffering mm-hmm. as something beautiful and not something to be like so terrified by how much suffering he went through that you like have to repent of your sin because mm-hmm. you're like, oh man, that's such a impressive sacrifice that I should just thank him and like be saved. Yeah. Um... And the best part about the way that Anglican Church is structured is they have their structure, they have their articles of religion, but they really are flexible to certain degrees in like how your daily practice is lived out. So like I have a little bit more of an Anglo-Catholic like personal practice, okay. right? So like I've borrowed some things from from Catholic theology that uh-huh. influence how I live as an Anglican. Uh-huh. Um, which is, and I go to a, what's called a high church, All Saints Anglican Cathedral in Long Beach. And they like, they have incense. There's a lot of vestments. There's a lot of icons on the walls. It's mm-hmm. like very more like old church. Yeah. So like, it's pretty Catholic in like how it feels, how it looks. Yeah. But it just preaches a Protestant Anglican theology. Uh-huh. Um, while holding a lot of respect for the Catholic Church. So I don't right. know if you've ever heard of um, Bishop Robert Barron. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So he's like very influ- been very influential in my priest's okay. life. So he's like referenced him in service gotcha. and, and like has met with him personally, like looks up to him a lot. They just come from different trad uh-huh. styles. So, but back to England. So I was just like, wow, this is really cool. I didn't really know anything about like, do I need to be confirmed? Can I just go? Like... I just was just along for the ride because I was I was in England for like four four and a half months and I just wanted to just like learn all I could about God and yeah. the church and it was really great for me because at the time when I went I was like really like on the fence about God I was just like I don't really know how I feel about this guy for sure and it just really like 
made my faith my own Mm -hmm. and it felt like it was a choice that I was consciously making and I like started to like want to go to church and I and I did outreach for them too which was really helpful because I had to like teach kids how to do liturgy that I was learning how Uh to do with them which Uh was really nice to like learn with like little toddlers like help me learn like more basic like okay so we kneel during this part of the Nicene Creed that's cool (laughs) (laughs) So yeah, so so that's that's how I got into Anglicanism, mm-hmm. and then when I came to Biola, I just kind of didn't forget about it, but I was just like, "Are there Anglican churches here? Yeah. Like, this is California. I've heard all these things. You know, I'm from a small town in the Midwest where we think that the coasts are like places of heathenry, <laughs> you know, <laughs> which they're obviously just just as bad as where we're from. <laughs> but it's just really funny, you know. They're like, "Oh, you're gonna leave your family for the beach," and I'm like. <laughs> I mean, I guess this is La Mirada, <laughs> right. Grandma. But okay. Um, shout out, Grandma. Shout shout out, Noni. Love you. Uh, but, but yeah, so I, so I went to a bunch of random churches. I went to Southlands Brea for right. a while. Classic Biola. Ca- classic Biola moment. My big drawback was like I didn't want to go to school with the people I see all the time at campus. Go to go, church, go to church yeah, with yeah. all the people I see at Agreed. school. Yeah. Agreed. That's like a personal conviction of mine. Like some kids really want to go like with their school community. My thought process is just like, I don't know where I'm going to live post-college. Yeah. I want my community to be something not tied to like my school experience. Because <laughs> I feel like church is like, Viola isn't a church. No. So why would I create my church community like with things that I yep. aren't even my real community? So I went to Southlands for a little bit. I went to Father Greg Peters' Anglican right. Church of the Epiphany mm-hmm. for a little bit. Um, I went to the church that meets in his building in the morning, Redeemer. Okay. Like a other Tory props. I think Dr. Macon goes there. A couple other people. Mm-hmm. Uh, I went to Gracie Be Free for a little bit. I was kind yeah. of just bouncing around. Yeah. I just didn't really... And the thing is, I part of the thing... One of the things I regret when, when, when I came back from Cape Verde is I didn't... Um, I didn't dive into Anglican theology as well as I think I could have. Okay. Because I was in like the heart of like Anglican land. Like I was in England. Right. With like a real, really strong Literally. Anglican rooted <laughs> school. Like the yeah. school was technically Anglican. Yeah. Um, and I just didn't utilize those resources enough. And I think it was because I just was caught up in like the, wow, I'm making my faith my own. So right. that was enough for me at the time. Yeah, yeah. Um, but as... I realized how quickly I was disillusioned with like more modern ways of worship mm-hmm. because every church I went to out here, I was just like, oh my gosh, yeah. this is so, just like nobody cares about God. Uh-huh. <laughs> it's how it felt. Yeah. Like obviously it's not true, mm-hmm. but the feeling was that I was like, people just get here to get their, their serotonin fix of like feeling good that God loves them and yeah. then they leave. Yeah. Um, and then they, you know, they remember, they rem- are reminded of his suffering uh, at like Good Friday or yeah. whatever. Uh, and the thing is like, I now know how prideful I was as a freshman and sophomore because like I had already been through a lot in my life and had like suffered a lot. So Mm -hmm. I was like, nobody understands like pain like me, but it's like, Uh it's all like in various levels of what people are like (laughs) equipped to handle. So like, I was just acting like I was like, it had this weird, like, victim complex where I was like I'm a I'm more of a victim than you but I don't act like it so I'm huh. so cool you yeah. know and like you're bad because like you are mad that like your life is so hard and it's just like <laughs> class yeah but I just realized that's such a stupid way to like think like uh-huh. why why do I care about like what they complain about like yeah. I complain all the time so yeah. like so 
so that's for I guess I'll get to that part. But yeah, so then COVID hit. Uh huh. Went home and I was like, okay, so we're not going to church. And I went to my parents' church a little bit online. I was like, I hate this mm-hmm. so much. I don't feel like I'm worshiping God at all. And mm-hmm. I like want to worship God. So I was living in, in like, we have this, like, little, like, room attachment under our garage back home. And when I first came back from California and we didn't know what COVID was, my parents were like, we want you to, like, live in this, like, mini apartment thing with your brother who's coming back from Oregon. We want you to live together because, like, we don't know what COVID is and, like, mm-hmm. we don't know what it's going on. We don't know if it's contagious, but you should just stay there, like, till the end of the semester. Okay. And my older brother is now a Catholic. Okay. And he was, like, he's a couple years older than me. And so he had been exploring Catholicism for a long time. Yeah. And uh, literally a year after we lived together, he converted to Catholicism. That's like right. Official. Yeah. So he was deep in his like exploration phase. Yeah. So me and him lived there. And then another one of our friends, he was my wrestling partner in high school. He was sent back from YWAM in Hawaii. So he was like, I need a place to stay. So we're like, you can stay in our like <laughs> mini apartment thing uh-huh. uh, with like a little like kitchenette and whatever. I love it. So the three of us would wake up. And have coffee and talk theology like every morning. Oh, that's great. It was great. And at, at the time, you know, we were reading like City of God and mm-hmm. Tori. I think that was like end of, of yep. freshman yep. spring. So, uh, and um, History of the Church. And History of the Church. Yep. So I was like, okay, okay. I'm starting to get it a little bit. Uh-huh. I'm seeing the history. And then I'm thinking about the liturgy. And Richard is reading Catholic liturgy to yeah. himself. Yeah. So I'm like, okay, I'm starting to kind of see where the pieces fit together. Uh-huh. And... We would just wake up and, and we would just talk about the Bible and about like church authors. And we had just read On the Incarnation mm-hmm. and um, the other one. Um, There's Irenaeus. Irenaeus and Athanasius. Athanasius and uh, Gregory. And Gregory. Gregory, yeah. So we read all of those. And I was like, I'm learning a lot mm-hmm. from these saints. Like mm-hmm. these are like heroes of the Christian faith. So I was like, okay, so I clearly like the history. Mm-hmm. I should find an Anglican church and go to that. Yeah. So then I started talking to my dad about like going to church to an Anglican church, and then we found one online, and like I was really wanting to go to one online. And so then I started going to a church called Restoration Anglican. I still remember. Nice. Online, and they were like done Restoration with... Hardware. Yeah, exactly but... like Restoration Hardware, but Christian. <laughs> okay. Yeah, and the, and the, what the hardware does is fix your soul. Right. Yeah. Great. Um, so yeah, they were, they were awesome because it was a younger church. So their online format was really easy to maneuver because like you could watch the video and read the liturgy simultaneously, oh, cool. which was really nice because a lot of those churches, like you had to download the bulletin separately and it was kind of like this whole thing. And my parents don't know anything about technology. So they'd get like frustrated. Yeah, yeah. You know? <laughs> um, and honestly, I didn't, I was so new to trad theology that when we would do communion service online, and I regret this immensely, don't do this at home, guys. But like we would follow the communion service online and like my dad was a deacon at our old church. So he would like handle the communion that we had in our house, mm-hmm. uh, like bread and wine or whatever, uh, or grape juice maybe, I don't remember exactly which. But, you know, so he was like ministering communion to like our family because we were following the service online. So we thought it was like, okay. And the thing is it... I'm he- I mean, I'm hesitant to say, like, it's not okay because, mm-hmm. like, our heart was in the right place. But there is something about, like, just some random guy, like, <laughs> randomly, like, consecrating communion and mm-hmm. just giving it out, which to me feels unwise, mm-hmm. I think. And the reason why is because... You might get smited. 
Well, but, I mean, not necessarily, but like it just feels a little careless because yeah. I think it. I think one thing that I realized is so important about the Eucharist is like one thing people forget. It's like in the in Anglican liturgy, mm-hmm. we have a prayer of basically like Thanksgiving after we take the Eucharist, mm-hmm. and so we say like uh, for giving, like for like taking in spiritual communion of your body and blood. It's like kind of a line. Mm-hmm. I kind of butchered it, but that's like in essence kind of what we're saying. Yeah. Um, and then and then it's like, you know, we do not presume to come to this your table, you know, knowing it's not of ourselves but of you. Blah blah blah. Um, basically, like, so we have a prayer of, of confession of sin before we take yeah. communion. We are then given absolution by the priest, mm-hmm. and that's the thing that I think was really bothersome about it was like we weren't receiving really absolution from mm-hmm. the priest um which is which is like once you confess your sin verbally the priest is there present with you to like say like christ forgives you right. and he gives you a blessing yeah um and again like i don't really know how the theology like the, they don't have any theology on like what it's like through like a tv screen <laughs> but like even in the really? liturgy even saint yeah, gregory and... <laughs> yeah saint gregory it's shocking i know <laughs> augustine had a little bit of that, <laughs> yeah, but he was kind of a forward thinker in city of god i would believe <laughs> i would believe that there was so much going on I don't <laughs> it's know. just in one of the books yeah i mean whatever it's, yeah exactly <laughs> uh but it's like when when you look at the liturgy they have a special um prayer for the people watching online called like the spiritual communion Hmm. prayer so i was looking at that and i was like okay so if we're praying like a separate prayer because we can't take the communion in person Mm -hmm. that feels like maybe we shouldn't take like have our dad be giving us communion Uh here and and i think part of it is you 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 want to receive absolution from the priest who is like there as you are actually praying the words like mm-hmm. of, for, of um, like asking for absolution and confessing your sin and then um, Christ's body and blood you know or, or the Eucharist right whether you believe it's transubstantiation or not and I don't really believe in transubstantiation yet <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, good, good qualifier yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, but I do believe 100% that I am spiritually communing with Christ right, as right, I take communion right. which most Christians adhere to that belief yeah. they it's, just, not, it's not purely symbolic it's not purely symbolic I right. think there are a few denominations that might consider it like yeah. that but I feel like they're outliers yeah. uh, the one thing that I started to get like not worried about but I started to have more respect for is how much the Anglican Church and, and the Catholics do this too, but the Anglican Church, you know, they, they don't have a closed table. So as long as you're baptized in the Trinity, you can come to right. communion, right? They really want the person who's receiving the Eucharist to understand like what they're about to commune into. Yes. And that was one of the big draws initially for me was like, once I like, we, we did the whole communion thing for I think like two, maybe three Sundays in a row. And then we were like, we should stop doing that. Uh-huh. Because you are like taking Christ's body and blood at least spiritually and that's like working in you like that should be something that's really important and you shouldn't just be doing it in your home Yeah, you know like it's not a home church we are actually technically like a part of this parish Mm -hmm. Um, so then when school went back in person or when churches were like allowed to meet in person um, we didn't go to Restoration Anglican really that long because it was almost an hour away if you think about how parish life is supposed to be it's too far Mm -hmm. like we don't live in that community so we switched to the church that sent them, 
called Church of the Cross. That's okay. where, and my whole family goes there now. Except okay. for yeah, I except for that. Richard. Yeah. So they um, my younger sister was baptized as as an Anglican mm-hmm. and my uh, brother Will is going to get confirmed as an Anglican and I'm currently getting co- about to get confirmed as an Anglican. Mm-hmm. I wanted to get confirmed at All Saints but they never have confirmation classes huh. so I'll probably just do it at my church. Uh-huh. And that's because because they're high church uh-huh. um, they really want the bishop to be present Gotcha. At so the, it's pretty unusual. So it's, it's unusual. Like You can't just walk and be like I want to be confirmed. Which bishop is a, is that a regional? Yes. So what yeah it would be is Bishop Robert Barron the bishop for All Saints? He no, he's a Catholic. Right. Yeah. Okay. So he, so he a, used to be the bishop of the LA diocese. Right. For the Catholic Church. For the Catholic Church. He just moved to Minnesota. Oh, I he didn't is, know that. Yeah. He so funny. he is now. The, yeah, it's really funny actually. So he is now the bishop of. He's based out of Winona, Minnesota, but I think he's like the bishop of the upper midwest diocese or something okay. like that i don't yeah. know the catholic diocese okay. very well but there's an la bishop for the anglican church correct so i go i'm a part of the anglican church of north america which okay. split from the episcopal church of north america okay. <laughs> which is really bad and has terrible theology and they just try to please everyone by like being super politically correct all the time gotcha. so they like ordain transgender priests women priests stuff like that where okay. it's like I'm kind of more on board with women being priests, I think. Yeah. But I'm still unsure. So it's like, I don't want to just like jump just, in yeah. because also I, I just don't agree with like ordaining gay marriage and they do gay marriage services and stuff right. in the Episcopal church. So right. it's like just gotten very like weird and liberal and they kind of just try to make their theology fit the like American political it's, it's, climate. Yeah. It, be, it becomes not a church anymore. It's a political. Exactly. Thing. And I'm just kind of like, I don't. No, yeah, that totally. seems bad. So the Anglican Church of North America is very new. They um, originated in 2009. They cover um, just the continent of North America. Okay. So there's a lot of dioceses in, in Canada. And then there's like, man, I don't know. I think there's like nine or ten dioceses here in the States. Mm-hmm. And so... So yeah, so like each diocese has a bishop that presides over it, and then okay. we have like an archbishop who right. like doesn't rule, but like he's kind of like the head that yeah. we've appointed. Yeah. The great thing about the Anglican Church that is different than the Catholic Church is like, even when like we adhered back to the Archbishop of Canterbury, he was not just like ruling everyone on his own. He was like kind of like the leader, but there was always a council of bishops, like the episcopal. Um, Okay. way of doing church was very present gotcha. so, like he couldn't just like there's no make a law and like all of a sudden that was in your theology gotcha. there was like all the bishops would come together they would have to vote on it so the anglic there's a giant anglican like coalition like a global anglican coalition that the acna is a part of okay so gotcha. they go to like big ones with like anglican diocese and like africa and stuff yeah. like that so i like that idea of global church and I guess all of this is to say this is these are all things that just drew me more and more to the Anglican Church. I was yeah. like, okay, so we're part of a global church. Yeah. That feels more like the early church to me than mm-hmm. like a non-denom who isn't attached to anything. Uh-huh. Um, we have liturgy that everyone reads. Like liturgy either... So I have the Book of Common Prayer from 1662. This was the original one written mm-hmm. by Thomas Cranmer. Nice. In 2019, they came out with like a revised edition uh, which it just has like more modern English. It's just a little bit easier to follow. Mm-hmm. So the church uses that pretty extensively. And that one's also pretty good, I think. Um, like Father Peters uses that okay. one at his church. 
So I was just like, okay, so they clearly care really deeply. They've had like many conferences on just like how they want the Anglican Church to navigate like the political climate, like where they stand on things like the war in Ukraine, things yeah. like that. Like where do they want to align themselves? Yeah. And it's it's apparent in everything. Like the prayers of the people are like very sincere and, and careful on how they present themselves like politically, mm-hmm. theologically. Um and I just, I really, really value that kind of stuff. It's like, mm-hmm. there's just a lot of like reverence and care. And, and it all started with the reverence and care they took for the Eucharist alone. So, uh-huh. so like, I was like, okay, there is this posture of I'm communing with a being that is outside of space and time yeah. who cared enough for a worm like me to come in the form mm-hmm. of a man mm-hmm. and die on the cross and suffered so much. Right. Yeah. And I'm communing in that by taking communion. Right. So like, I want to care about that. Right. Um, and I, I just think that as someone who didn't care in high school mm-hmm. about like his theology or anything, I care so much more now because mm-hmm. I don't want to be like led astray. Yeah. You know, and being in a church that it has ties to each other and everyone has agreed on the same thing that has been agreed on for hundreds of years. We would say thousands of years. The Catholics would say we like left because we, you know, the, the Catholics basically say that like the Anglican church is fraudulent, right? Nice. So, which is always super based. <laughs> um, but like, you know, we would track our theology back to the early church. Right. Right. The Catholics would say, well, yeah. you can only track it back to Thomas Cranmer or whatever. But yeah, I think, I think that that's really why I got into it was like way back then. I thought it was just niche and not what my parents did and it was yeah. new and it became my own. Yeah. And it's become more than just being about my, my faith and my expression. Right. It's more than that to me. It's like, this is like good and righteous expression of faith. Not mm-hmm. that other churches aren't that. It's just like, I know that it is, mm-hmm. you know, like I'm sure of that. And mm-hmm. to me, that's important is that I know that I'm for sure participating in something. Yeah. Cause one thing that like really bothers me when I go to other non-denom or, or not other, but when I go to like non-denom or evangelicals, it's like, Things will be said, and I'm like, okay, it's not wrong, but it feels a little weird. Yep. Like, like, I was at this one church, remember Antioch? Yeah. Okay. I was at Antioch Church. Throwing them under the bus. I'm, I'm, I'm calling you out, guys. <laughs> I was at a church there. I was at a service there. You might have been with me. This was freshman year. I never went there. Oh, you never went there. Maybe no. it was Aaliyah. It probably was. Uh, but Yes, she talks about She this. talks about this, yeah. They called some guy on the stage, and were like, you're the Holy Spirit. And it wasn't like he was just like a stand-in. Like they were kind of treating him like he was the Holy Spirit. I was like, what is going on? And the thing is like that they could be, I am sure they're well-meaning and I'm sure they love God. It's just for me, I don't want to be questioning that in my Sunday service, uh-huh. you know? And some people might be think that that's pharisaical or closed-minded, Max Krusevich. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but I just, I just want to be sure that everyone that is participating in the service wants to like prostrate themselves before the Lord mm-hmm. wants to honor him in their works. Mm-hmm. And I feel that in the Anglican community. Yeah. And I know that people feel that in other communities, but right. like for me, it's become so important to like me just even being a Christian in general yeah. that I just, I can't imagine myself doing anything else. Right. Yeah. Cause it's just become so much a part of who I am. So this is where I'd like to go back to because earlier you mentioned um, your personal, like your daily practice, basically. Mm-hmm. Um, how does that tie into the equation? And like 
how does that tie into what you're saying now about this is just the way that I view right. my life as a Christian now? Yeah. So what does your daily practice look like and how does it supplement what you're getting in the community on Sunday? Yeah, that's a great question. So I think, um, you know, like one thing in, in service on Sunday that they just wouldn't really mention, right, would be something like um, like a praying to saints, right, mm-hmm. or something like that. So like they would never they would never address that in church on Sunday. We would never say a prayer to a mm-hmm. saint, um, things like that. Uh, and Not they even would Saint Cuthbert. <laughs> At Saint Cuthbert's, they really liked Saint Cuthbert. What, so what was might... he the patron saint of? He, I don't. He, I think he was a saint of farmers I think because okay. it's yeah, I was yeah. in northern England okay. uh, or sheep sheep farmers maybe. <laughs> that's awesome yeah shepherds he, I think he was I can look I'm going to look him up actually because <laughs> okay. he they were like they had like icons of Saint Cuthbert like <laughs> all, all over. over the place they had like a statue of him outside that's awesome um, so yeah he is the he is the patron saint of Northumbria which is where the region I was in used right. to be called Northumbria um, and then let's see what did he do tell me what he did please in the meantime yeah uh, we can give our shout out to Max because yes. last time Max referenced you multiple times mm. so now you, you've got a little thing going on with Max you guys mm. are a, yeah. we are a, a hyper, dynamic hyperlink to each other yeah let me see yeah so uh, for those who who don't know Max um, is a very dear friend of mine, and we don't have actual any like real beef. But we do have disagreements on things like <laughs> baptizing people in the East Talbot Fountain, stuff like that. You know? Um, I've heard about this. Yeah. Oh, he is he, uh, Saint Cuthbert is known is remembered by his biographers as a prolific miracle worker. Oh. And he was renowned as a healer. Okay, okay. So he was, he was just a very kind guy, and oh, and he's pretty responsible for the spread of Christianity in like all of the north of England. <laughs> okay, so you know, you know, there small you go. stuff. Yeah, yeah. And then apparently, okay, this is where it gets a little bit like this would be cool if this is true, but apparently, um, in Cuthbert's coffin, his body was incorrupt or uncorrupted. I've heard about yeah. this, so I I want to get back to praying but, praying yeah. saints, but yeah. I, cause I was, I've been listening to this Eastern Orthodox, um, podcast for okay. a while and they talk about this, like the, I think it's like the hand of Mary Magdalene. Like you can go and like visit it and, mm. um, they don't call it worship. It's, um, oh, there's a word for how you go venerate. You like, you go and like venerate the, mm. the, um, oh, I can't remember what they call it. Um, but yeah, like the hand of Mary Magdalene is like in oh, it's like yeah, still yeah, warm. Yeah. yeah, I've heard of this. Um, I've heard of this. Yeah, but yeah, I think that's really interesting. Hmm. Anyways, um, praying to saints. Yes. Do you how how does that how do you incorporate that into your daily practice? Yes. So, um, okay, I want to be careful about this because I want to make sure I get the theology right. Okay. Um, because. The way that I understand it is like this. I'll put it in in simple terms. 
And if you want to talk more about it, I just recommend coming and talking to me. It's <laughs> pretty easy to find on campus. Um, and Because I'll probably just be talking about it in general. <laughs> um, You're that guy. I'm, I'm, I sadly am, am that guy. Um, so it's, it's like this. You know, we believe that when you die, your soul passes, you know, somewhere. Mm-hmm. Right? Some some people believe in like a purgatory or, you know, if you're Seventh-day Adventist, you believe that like your soul goes to sleep or whatever. <laughs> and, you know, but there was, there was, there is the, theological basis to believe that like saints go like straight to heaven, right? Because mm-hmm. of their like great work for God. They just yeah. pass straight to his presence. Uh, I don't really know anything about that. Mm-hmm. I would say I tend to just air that like you die and you go to heaven if you're saved so yeah. you're just in the presence of God right yeah uh, or if you're in purgatory and you were like St. Paul I would imagine you're probably in heaven by now you got 2,000 years to work off your sins so you're chilling <laughs> but it's like this it's the 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 phrase like the English phrasing is really bad because like you say I pray to saints right. which makes it sound like you're like venerating them the way you would venerate God. That's right. not really what it is. No. It's asking them to pray with you slash for you uh-huh. the same way you would ask someone here on yeah. earth to do that. Yeah. The only thing is they were more holy. That They're more holy than me. They're okay. perfectly sanctified. Yeah. Um, they have experienced everything I've experienced to the nth degree. Mm-hmm. Uh, there, there's many things about saints. They're like champions of faith. Yeah. Right? So like they deserve our respect mm-hmm. and things like that. So I've not, I don't pray to saints like just like willy nilly, to yeah. be honest. It's more like if I'm going through something very difficult or like really struggling with something, then I just look up like which, which saint is the patron saint of like this. And then yeah. I try to pray with that to that saint, ask them to pray for me. Yeah. Because, you know, I don't know if it really, um, you know, necessarily like changes God's mind. Uh, mm-hmm. I, don't, I don't, I don't know, you know, because God will do what He wills, yeah. obviously. But it is encouraging to know that Saint Paul is hopefully praying with me yeah. as I am asking like Ethan to pray with me yeah. as well but the only nice thing is that St. Paul's way holier than Ethan <laughs> I don't know Ethan's, <laughs> Ethan's pretty holy though so maybe he'll be sainted eventually <laughs> Saint Ethan Saint Ethan saint oh, patron saint of Crohn's disease <laughs> <laughs> patron saint of gluten free diets uh, yeah so I, I, that's why I started to do it yeah. it's more like that it's the way that they intercede for us right because Christ is obviously our mediator and he is our propitiation but yeah. it's like they are also doing that for us as well so it's like yeah. why not get all hands on deck so it's that's, a very simple way to put that right there's a lot more behind that but yes. I just don't feel like pulling all that up right now so that's a irregular part of your personal practice somewhat irregular irregular or? yeah irregular yeah I would I would say but I would say that I do it. Okay. Because it is something I've done... Less frequent then. Yeah, it's just less frequent. It's not like every time I go to pray, I'm like, yeah, yeah. which saint am I going to choose to pray today? It's right. more like when I pray like morning and evening prayer and compline, I don't feel the need to like include saints with that every time. Uh-huh. Yeah, so it is more irregular. Okay. Yeah. And then, so how has... Uh, how have you changed your personal practice on a daily uh, like basis, not including the praying to saints. Has hmm. it changed your 
daily practice or compared to Sunday practice or just in general? So, um, is your pre Anglican church daily practice oh, different from your hundred per- Yes. hundred percent. Okay. 100%. In what ways? Um, so uh, I used to just, you know, when I needed to pray for something, it's, it's mostly, it's really impacted my prayer life to okay. be honest. It's really impacted my prayer yeah. life. Uh, and I think the Anglican church in being a part of the Anglican community has impacted my prayer life for me for the better, like a hundred percent. Okay. Because I used to, you know, I used to just do the classic, I'll just pray for what I need or like, you know, like dear Lord. And I yeah. just make up a prayer. Okay. The thing is I'm young yeah. and I've not been a Christian for a, an extremely long time. Mm-hmm. And so I don't really know what I need Okay. and I don't really know how to pray. Yeah. So that's what I've realized. So I read a lot more. Uh, written prayers. Okay. And I read from the Book of Common Prayer. Yeah. I have an app called the Daily Office, which okay. gives me my morning, midday, and evening prayer. Mm-hmm. Um, and I I also just like read pre-written prayers, like the Prayer of Saint Patrick's, like a really classic one. Uh-huh. So, uh, yeah, I I think it's it's changed in my daily practice. It's when I do want to pray. I make sure that I am in a posture of like understanding why I'm praying, mm-hmm. taking it really seriously. And I, there's nothing wrong. Like sometimes, I mean, obviously I'm just like, Lord, help me with this thing and just throw it up there. Yeah. But it's more like, I just want to, I just, I'm just more intentional with the way I pray. I think okay. That's the way I would say it. Okay. I would phrase it. And I used to just not really think too much about my prayers, but yeah. I think, I just think about them a lot more. I'm okay. Like, I understand that I am a worm and I am like dust, right? And so the very fact that I can speak to Christ mm-hmm. is so awesome and important. And I want to pray in a way that is like honoring him, yeah, right? Because I want my prayers to be like sacred and a right. sacred offering, yeah. you know, of, of supplication. Because I'm literally asking him to help me out. Yeah. Like a lot of prayers are like, Lord, help me yeah. in temptation or in suffering or in sickness or whatever. Yeah. Um, and there's a lot of really just great prayers out there to read. And it's mm-hmm. like, and the thing is reading those prayers has helped the prayers that I make up be stronger and okay. better. They, they feel more meaningful. Okay. Interesting. Um, so I have, a, I have a couple things that, yeah. but the first question I want to ask is, it seems like there was a focus probably in the non-denominational side of how you feel when you pray. So are it like an kind of the idea of devotion? Mm-hmm. Um, but you're saying you're the word you're using is think you're thinking mm-hmm. more when you're praying, mm-hmm. you're thinking more about your prayers. Yeah. So is there a balance to be found between kind of like heartfelt devotion and intellectual prayer and how do, how do you find that balance? Hmm. That's a great question. Yeah. So I, I tend to be more of a, of a thinker than a feeler, I guess. Um, so to me, I almost feel that heartfelt devotion more when I start with a place of thinking. Okay. So my balance is like, I'm thinking about what I want to pray for. I'm reading something that I found or found in the book of common prayer or on daily office or what have you. And I'm like, okay, so I, you know, this is why I'm praying for this. This is why I'm asking for the Lord's help. Right. And then as I'm praying it, I'm like, Wow, I am devoted and I'm emotionally invested uh-huh. in how much I love Christ for the fact that I can read this prayer to him right. and ask for that. Yeah. 
So that's a per that's the personal way that I have that uh-huh. balance is I think that out of the thinking about it, I'm like, okay, I've thought about it and I now feel it as well. Yeah, and you're you're saying they're not even opposed to each other, they actually just go together. They just go together. And yeah. I think the I think though is I will hold to the belief that if you just think about it, you don't have to think about it as much as like I do, because I sometimes overthink. But it's more like some people just jump right into their prayer mm-hmm. and they just are kind of saying stuff. Because mm-hmm. they're just going with the flow and like they're just praying out their devotion, which is which is a totally acceptable way to pray. Mm-hmm. But I think that prayers could become so much stronger if they thought for like a, just a little bit about what yeah. they were about to say or yeah. what they're asking for and who they're asking like to help them. Like they're yeah. asking like Jesus Christ, you know, and, and they're asking a, a, a very powerful but compassionate yeah. deity. So it's like he's not your buddy. Yeah. Is what I'm saying. He yeah. is your buddy, but he's not your buddy. Yeah. Like there does need to be Jesus that level is your of friend. Yeah, like there does need to be that level of respect. So like I just wanna be very I think that sometimes the the, the emotion and the devotion actually cloud your prayer being richer. Yeah. And being more encouraging to you. Because that's a lot of what prayer is, is it's just encouragement. Mm. You know, and it's you're being strengthened by the spirit in your humility and asking for help uh-huh. so I think I think I know that for me if I just start kind of praying willy-nilly without thinking at all I have my, my prayer I feel stale in my mm. soul like yeah. I'm like oh, I don't know my heart isn't in the prayer right but it, when it comes from a place of like consideration my heart very quickly isn't is just as invested as my head gotcha um and I, I, not everyone operates that way. Yeah. So I can't necessarily say I know for sure. The, yeah. Like that this, like I don't have like a, I can apply this to all people everywhere and they'll, you know, start enjoying their prayer life yeah. all the time. And, um, and that's, I, in general, that's one thing I don't hear you saying is yeah. like, this is the right way to do church. No. It's more about like, this is a way that has really led me to um, follow Christ more with yeah. more devotion and right. more discipline and yeah. all those things. Yeah. So. And and that, that's a great point. And the thing is, I, I have kind of a running bit that like, <laughs> Angl- being Anglican is the only way to be a Christian. Because uh-huh. it's just kind of funny. Yeah, just yeah. be like, you're not saved. Yeah, ha, yeah, yeah. Ha, uh-huh. You know, I know more than you because I read liturgy. <laughs> but it's like, there really is, I mean, barring like actual heresy, it's not necessarily wrong. Yeah. I, I will say, there is something about historical context Mm-hmm. historical strength longevity you know like they've this is liturgy that has survived schisms yeah. after schism after schism mm-hmm. you know and, and you got people like John Piper and Mark Driscoll and all this stuff that's going you know and I don't even know what's going on with Mark Driscoll anymore but like mm-hmm. where there's a lot of disagreement yeah. um, and I find in, in a lot of non-denominate non-denom churches they actually have more of a this is the only right way to do church mentality than traditional churches yeah, interesting because i think with, like one great thing about being anglican is it's just like like i was saying earlier is it's like there's no need to say there's only one right way to do church uh-huh because we're not flying on our own second guessing ourselves yeah. it's like this is how we do church uh-huh. we don't need to worry about is it right or is it wrong because it's been proven to be right interesting you know yeah. and so it's not the only way to do it, but it uh-huh. is a right way to do church. Okay. Yeah. I think is what I'm trying to say. Got it. So there's no 
worrying that this is going off the rails where I think a lot of non-denom churches they're not tied to anybody yeah so they're they actually ha- they have to take on that mode of like this is the way to do church and Catholics aren't Christians because they care about works righteousness like that's yeah. something I hear a lot from people yeah in non-denom evangelical circles uh-huh. and it's because they don't understand what they're saying because the non-denom vibe has to be this is the way to do church because they're just kind of making it up as they go along, like they'll normally have good theology, and they'll right. like they're not like making it up, but but, but they're just associate. They're just being like, this is how it is. You got to do it this way, even though they have no tie to anything because they just write like some random creed when they found the church. Right, it's an association based on ideology, not necessarily right. on tradition. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. And the thing is, tradition so in, in everyone, tradition informs your ideology. Right. In hum in humans, whether you whether you accept that yeah. or not. Yeah. And so, and, and also all church practice is based on ancient church tradition. Right. People take communion. That's a trad thing, right? Because there used to just be one church. Right. So it's like people take communion, the order of doing communion at the end of a service, having precursor to communion. That's all stuff that's just borrowed and watered down or diced up uh-huh. from a way that the Catholic, I mean, if we want to call them Catholics, but the early church Before fathers it, did yeah. that forever. So it's like... Whether people want to admit it or not, they actually are participating in traditional service. <laughs> yeah, okay. like they are participating in tradition, uh-huh. and the th- and societally, you are always participating in tradition, right. and it will influence your ideology. Yeah. So it's funny to me that these churches form out of an ideology which is influenced by a tradition that they claim to have rejected. So it's like yeah, that. That's very insightful. Yeah. So I just I'm just kind of like okay, which makes me just more confident. In just like the Anglican Church, I guess, and and I and I'm not saying this in like a prideful way. It's just yeah. in my personal practice, I'm for the first time in my life these past few years, I've just been very calm and confident in my yeah. faith, and I I'm like I'm I trust in the Lord's goodness more than I ever have. Yeah, and I just think the Anglican Church has really helped instill that in me because I think it's what I needed. Right, like it's so it personally, it was right. exactly what I needed. So. Right. So that's why I get kind of defensive about it. Like, I think that's why Max and I had our, we had a little bit of a spat the other day about mm-hmm. those baptisms. And it's just because it I just have felt so strongly about yeah, it. Yeah, and when sure. it's so foreign from everything I've been taught, yeah. I'm just like, well, that feels out of control. Even And I wasn't really there for very long. I wasn't really there at all. So it's yeah. like, I can't really like yeah, yeah. say. You're speculating. I, yeah, and so I'm, I'm really speculating. I'm letting my doubt about just evangelical Christianity in general uh-huh. influence a lot of that. So I really did feel like I was in the wrong in a lot of ways in that in that argument with Max. But like, I do still stand by what I said. <laughs> I still don't think it was good. Yeah. But I just know that I was very haughty, I think, in the way I came right. off. And right. I, I am sorry for that. I've already apologized to it. But public apology. It's a public apology. And all my fans out there, <laughs> I'm sorry I let you down. Uh, all right. Well, I was just talking about this with my parents yesterday, but I was like, why... like. I've never heard a politician say, oh, my bad. I was wrong about that yeah. one. <laughs> no, true. That is very true. But I'm like, why Why do we, why would we expect somebody not to make a, a public statement about, oh, I was wrong about yeah. that. The fact that we have no, don't allow any room for that is largely disappointing. It is. Anyways, that was a tangent. No, but I do agree my last question for you, I want to go all the way back to the beginning because yeah. you were talking about how 
the ordered service helped you see the beauty of Christ. Mm-hmm. And I wanted to juxtapose that with, I'm sure people are like, oh, well, it's boring or slow. Mm-hmm. So how do you find beauty in boredom? Hmm. That is a very good question. Um, well, for those who think it's slow, our services are an hour and 15 minutes. Mm-hmm. So we get out of there faster than <laughs> your evangelical service. Okay. Uh, so that's one thing. Another thing is I think um, what scares people is is the concept of like rules or rigidity mm-hmm. or like this is how you have to do it. Definitely. Uh and that is, that is scary to have to give yourself over to that. Like at first, when I first went to St. Cuthbert's, I was a little bit like, I'm being locked in my pew. This is kind of weird. I don't know how I feel about that. Um, oh, I have to kneel every time we pray? I don't know how I feel about that. But I just started just doing it. Yeah. Because I was like, all right, I get partially peer pressure really helps. Yeah. <laughs> you feel awkward being the only one not kneeling. So you're like, okay, I should, I should get down. But... I think beauty in boredom is you start out being kind of bored or you start out being kind of like, this is slow and weird. But if you keep going to church and you keep reading it, mm-hmm. you actually start to hear what you're reading. Yeah. So like, um, there, there, and there's a lot of moments where we, we stand and we sing like an Alleluia, uh, or we sing the Hosanna. Um, we sing, uh, I think it's, I think the Latin is Agnes Dei, but it's mm-hmm. like the Lamb of God. Yeah. So you're like, you say like Lamb of God, you take away the sin of the world, mm-hmm. have mercy on us. Lamb of God, you take away the sin of the world, have mercy on us. Lamb of God, you take away the sin of the world, grant us your peace, right? Mm-hmm. So it's like, there's some reading, but then there's also some singing. Yeah. Some churches ch- just say those that like do call and response, but yeah. you are constantly being engaged uh-huh. So you might start to get bored, but also the celebrant is reading to you and then you have to read back to him. Uh-huh. And then, so then you have to wait to like rehear what he's saying to you. So the beauty that I found it in the boredom is I think I just was never bored. Mm. And so it's hard for me as well when people like don't see the beauty right away. Cause I think uh-huh. I was like instantly drawn to it. Okay. So I have to tell myself, I was like, all right, some people just find this really boring yeah. and that is foreign to me. But like, it just doesn't work for some people. Yeah. But I think what it is is like all the liturgy is based off of scripture for the mm-hmm. most part. Or has it obviously it all has its basis in scripture. But it's presented in a way that is like engaging and it prepares you to receive. So like one of my favorite things is when we read the gospel. Because we all stand mm-hmm. and we we sing the Hosanna. Right? So you sing like holy, holy, holy Lord, God of power and might. Um, and then you sing like, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord, Hosanna, Hosanna. Uh, and you stand that as they process out with an icon of Christ, like Mm. a big, like a cross or ours, it's Christ on the cross on like top of a pole and they hold the, the, like the the gospel up. Right. And then we like bow to Christ, like the icon of Christ as he passes. So even when you hear the, from the gospel, which is like the book of Jesus's life, it's like, okay, we're taking special time out of our day to hear about Jesus's life. Like this, and it's like set aside. It's separate than when we read from like Acts uh-huh. or like Corinthians or yeah. whatever. Um, and so it just feels so, you start to see the beauty in that 
I guess it's kind of brainwashing, but they start to like <laughs> tell you, they're like, oh, Jesus, you're reading about Jesus now. Yeah. Like, and about Jesus' life, like, this is really important. Yeah. It's really beautiful. Yeah. And we've primed you because we already read from the Old Testament yeah. and we read from the New Testament before this. So, like, get ready. This is the special part. So, like, you start to get caught up in almost like the, like, oh, I'm in the club that, like, reads the special <laughs> Jesus story. It's not all the same stuff that everyone yeah, else yeah. reads, but it the way it's ordered is so intentional. So uh-huh. I think that's that's where you find the beauty and the boredom is mm. you start to get less bored and you start to see it's actually just intentionally done. Yeah. And so even if you're still physically bored in the service, you right. can't deny the fact that it's intentional Yeah. and you have to accept that. And so I think some people are really resistant to just, they, like, they don't want to be bored in church. Yeah. So, and my just exhortation to them is like church isn't just for you alone all yeah. the time. You know, Definitely. like you're part of a body. So when I'm bored, sometimes I go to church and I am bored, even though I think liturgy is super beautiful most of the time. Sometimes right. I go, I'm like, I'm just not feeling it today. Yeah. But I still do all of the things yeah. and all the acts because it's like, I'm also there for my brothers and sisters in Christ. So mm-hmm. I think like people can keep an open mind. They'll realize how beautiful traditional service is. Yeah. And you know, one thing that Max always says is he's like, um, he says he's sympathetic to Anglicanism mm-hmm. or something like that. I think the word he used was sympathetic or he's like, Sounds um, like Max. yeah, he's like, I'm sympathetic to Anglicanism I'm, or I'm like, I'm empathetic or something like that. And it's like, that's great. That That is really awesome. I appreciate when he says that kind of stuff, but it's like, there is, you got to just buy in, you know, you have like, when I commit, when I've committed to it, like I've uh-huh. committed all the way and you're not going to be able to experience the beauty and the boredom I think if you're not yeah, yeah. fully committed yeah. because there's always gonna if you're just kind of like half-assing it you're always gonna be bored by something right. or like bothered by something Yeah. but like I am fully committed to it and like it is my church life mm-hmm. so it's not boring to me mm. rarely rarely yeah. is it boring and even if I'm bored it's not because the liturgy is boring I'm just bored because I'm, it's, my yeah. heart is yeah. Yeah, it's on me yeah. like my heart is just not ready for church or whatever and the great part is about liturgy by the time communion comes around I am not my heart is in it because yes. I'm, I'm reading so much truth in the liturgy right. that I have almost no choice but to be committed again by the yeah. end yeah 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 that's so. great I think there's there's a lot of what you're saying I've been rereading some of Nicomachean ethics Mm. for fun. Mm. (laughs) Um, Of course you are. But it it reminds me of habituation a lot. Like it's, it's about um, the actions that you take forming who you become over a really long period of time. Mm -hmm. Um, So that part has always sounded attractive to me, Um, but I could see how it, how it's kind of shaping you as well. Yeah. Well, thank you. It, it has been very, shaping and I really don't think I'd be a Christian if I hadn't been placed in St. Cuthbert's hmm. all those years ago yeah. in all seriousness because yeah. um, I was just so disillusioned with hmm. evangelical Christianity because it felt so forced and fake and it's not necessarily but to me it felt like that Yeah, and, and church is like it is a communal thing but I come from an I'm a. I'm also an individual, so you have to find that fine line of like no church is perfect, and I needed to learn that. Mm-hmm. But there are certain ways of worshiping that appeal to you as an individual mm-hmm. more so than others. Mm-hmm. And an Anglican church has appealed to me like 
no other church ever has. And I, mm-hmm. whenever I go, I like I want to go to church now, and I'm mad if I don't get to go to church. Mm-hmm. Like we've had a couple, we had a couple lacrosse games this season on mm-hmm. Sundays. Down, come on, battle. Exactly, just not cool. <laughs> but like I would, I did not care about being like tired or or like not being fully mentally prepared for the game. I was like, I'm going to church. I don't uh-huh. care if this messes with my mental. Like yeah. how I'm going to play in a couple hours. Right. Like, I have to go to church. Huh. And it, there's something about parish life and 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 just like you know the order of the service. So it's like I'm like one day, one day I remember I, last semester I skipped church just because I was like I don't want to go. Mm-hmm. And I just sat there being like, man, they're probably reading the gospel right about now. <laughs> and I checked my watch and I was like, man, they're probably getting ready for the ministration of communion. And I was like, I'm just thinking about how I should be at church right now. Uh-huh. Like, that, that's not I should just have I should have just gone to church like, yeah. that was so dumb yeah um I think it's just because again it's just it's so reverent and it teaches you reverence so like Sunday comes around and I'm like I've been a sinner all week mm-hmm. and you know like the Lord's been gracious and I've I've done my prayers throughout the week but like I need my church community and I need to receive like communal yeah. absolution and I know I'm absolved like by God and like mm-hmm. God has covered my sin but like there's something so comforting about hearing. They literally call it in the liturgy the comfortable words. Uh, yeah. So it's like there's something about you you because you ask for forgiveness, right? And then they don't call it absolution. They call it the comfortable words, mm. right? So it's like it's a reminder that Christ is forgiving you. It's not like the priest is forgiving yeah. you, right? Yeah. It's like okay, God forgave you. It's no remember that you you come to Him sincerely to be forgiven, and yeah. He has forgiven you. So when I don't get that. <laughs> Reminder: I actually have a worse week. I'm discomforted. Exactly. (laughs) I I have discomforting words in my spirit, Mm. and I wish I had the comfortable words. You know. So, so yeah. Cool. Yeah. Well, Braden, thanks for having me back. Yeah. Thanks for coming on. Of course, guys, go check out an Anglican church. There's Uh quite a few around. And bother Max too. And bother Max. Find him. He's very loud. (laughs) And just tell him, no more baptisms in the East Talbot Fountain. (laughs) (laughs) As long as you can help it, I mean. So, all right. All right. Thanks, Henry. Of course. Thank you.